Welcome to Shop Talk Live, episode number 180. This week, we've got Mike, Anissa, and I talking about design, Japanese chisels, milk paint, and our shop resolutions for 2019. But first, I want to let everyone know, April 26th through 28th, Southbridge, Massachusetts, Fine Woodworking Live is coming up. We've got the lineup all set. We've got names like Chris Bexford, Matt Bickford, Brian Boggs, Danielle Rose Bird, Michael Fortune, Peter Galbert, Chris Gochner, Garrett Hack, Nancy Hiller, Beth Ireland, Raleigh Johnson, Joshua Klein, Steve Lotta, Tom McLaughlin, Mike Pekovich, Chris Schwarz, and Bob Van Dyke. Killer lineup. It's going to make for a killer Fine Woodworking Live 2019. Sure to be a blast. Make sure you're there April 26th through 28th in Southbridge, Massachusetts. Head on over to finewoodworkinglive.com for more information. Registration is going to be starting soon, so you want to make sure you sign up on the email list for early bird pricing. All right, let's get the show started. Let's just jump right into questions. I didn't plan out like an off-the-cuff conversation. Okay. Unless somebody else planned out an off-the-cuff conversation. Uh, I planned something better. (laughs) (laughs) And Anissa sets the tone. (laughs) All right. That's why I was scrounging for the bottle opener. Okay. Jeff Rose pulling through with the bottle opener. The fine woodworking bottle opener. Fine woodworking. Yeah, it is. Right on. I mean, are we going to just talk about it the whole time? Or should I bust them out now? I think we should bust them out now. Well, me too. Okay. Both. Because it's the last podcast we're taping for 2018. First podcast of 2019. Oh, well, either way. This is the Hangover podcast. Yeah, yeah, the Hangover podcast. So 2019 will be Shop Talk Live, the drunken years. (laughs) So I I scrounged four beers from downstairs. (laughs) 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 And I'm supposed to plug Back East Brewery. Really? Yeah. That's what a local that? brewery, like Michael local, said. Local to you or local here? Local here. Okay. Nothing is local to Anissa. I bet they have good breweries out. We do. On the Hudson? Yeah. I'm sure you do. We do. Don't ask me to name any. That's okay. So there's Mosaic Pilsner mm. and Bengali, which reminds me of Tom Begnall, Chocolate, Chocolate Bach, Sam Adams and another mosaic pilsner, Jeff. I'll, I'll go last. <clears throat> so four beers, no IPAs. No IPAs. Wow. These were the what? last four beers in well, the tonic. I wonder, I wonder about the, the Bengali. Whether that's an IPA? Because <laughs> this is great, Pod. Whether this it's an fantastic. IPA or not, yeah. it's six point six percent alcohol. Okay, I'm going to have to pass anyway. You are. Yeah, I have to go pick up Anna from college right after we pod. Wow, responsible. Oh. So that's as far as I go home. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it's not stopping you. So. All right, Jeff, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> okay, while you're doing that, I'm gonna read the first question. <laughs> All right. This first question is from Cameron. Uh, I'm thinking of making a bench inspired by Mark Edmondson's modern Danish chord bench from issue 194 in 2007. 
I want to stretch the width to six feet to use at my seven-foot table. Will the front and rear rails be enough to support four well-fed adults, or will I have a hilarious story to tell for the next 30 years about the Thanksgiving collapse of 2019? <laughs> so, um, beautiful bench by Mark Edmonds and Edmondson. And I believe the overall dimensions from Mark's is what, 30, four feet? 38 inches hmm. for the stretchers. So he's stretching them from 38 inches to 72. That's almost double. double. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stretch. <laughs> um, I think it'll hold. You may want to beef up your aprons. I mean, that's, but I mean, they're vertical. They already look like they're roughly three inches. Plus, you have the rails that the cord is wrapped around. That gives you more sagging resistance as well. So, um, yeah, it'd be fine. So, I'm just wondering what could he do to stack the odds of um, non collapse in his favor? Do you, I mean, Uh, Nothing. He'll be fine. Ooh, I don't. Wow, know. I that's, don't. That's confidence, and kind of bold. I don't know if he'll be fine. I six foot bench. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but each stretcher is two and a quarter inches wide. Oh, two and a quarter. Yeah. Seven eighths of an inch thick. Hmm. I don't think so. Um. <clears throat> I think it's okay. I would run some cross braces, ten of them in along that, maybe put three in so they're going across, and you think, well, that's not going to do anything. Actually, it does a lot by tying the front stretcher mm. in with the rear stretcher, Okay, and it creates more of a torsion box, and it prevents them from flexing because a lot of times when wood flexes, it actually it flexes in a twisting mm-hmm. form, if you kind of think about it. And by having those... Um, little cross ties going front to back, keeping it together, you keep it from twisting so then it's not going to flex as much. Why not just make, instead of, uh, you know, instead of making that stretcher out of eight quarter so that it's seven eighths of an inch thick, why not make it out of, I'm sorry, instead of making it out of four quarters so that it's yeah. seven eighths of an inch thick, make it out of eight quarter. So, so you you could even like rabbit it so you have an L shape almost a, um, like an I beam. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are going to get some flex resistance by going thicker. You're really going to get a lot more flex resistance by going wider. So I might beef it up to. You can even arch it a little bit. So say the ends instead of two and a half, maybe at like three and a half inch mm-hmm. on each end, and you can still arch it up to. Three-ish in the center to maybe lighten up the look a little bit, but it's still going to give you a little more resistance. I don't know. Like, how how big are your relatives? I mean, <laughs> are we really well? It's planting I mean, some if, bodies if you have here? four people in there, it's not absurd to think that it would be 800 pounds. I'll get three. People? Well, over six feet? Like three people across six feet every 24 yeah. inches? Three butts on there. Well, there you go. And if the butts are maybe his than math 20. is just wrong. Maybe he only has three friends, and he thought he had four. I don't know. Six feet. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I think. Hmm. Well, because like you have the uprights on the ends, it's not like a picnic table where you can sort of get people yeah. just kind of sitting on the on the ends. Straddling. Yeah. Um, 
What do you think? I like the torsion box idea. I, I would not leave it as is without doing something like that. Um, and I think going longer, is it going to look too spindly longer? Would you have to change the proportions at all? I think I'd probably maybe beef up the legs a little bit, and it may not have those side rails so high. I might drop them down and have them like a little heavier and then make everything out of white oak. <laughs> so... <laughs> Fill in all the gaps with Kumiko. <laughs> so we're changing the bench entirely. <laughs> well, I think you change any variable and it changes the essential nature right. of the piece. To yeah. There, I think you got to keep knocking those dominoes down until you get back until to you're something with right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, beef up the parts a little thicker, a little wider, get the legs a little bit more stout, lower those side rails down a little bit so that you don't really feel trapped between those things. Maybe it's just almost like a help up. So maybe they're only four or five inches above the seat itself. So it's just kind of a low hand rest for getting up and sitting down. That might be cool. I'm liking this. It's your next project. <laughs> it's not, it's but the it's... the cover of issue 278. <laughs> oh, it was the cover, wasn't it? Was it? I don't think oh, so. It wasn't? No. no. Oh, we haven't even gotten to 278 yet. Yeah, that was, yeah. The, that was the joke. It was supposed Sorry. to be funny. I apologize about that. But... All right, so you would you would go with the torsion box. I think I would make that that those rails much thicker, thicker. Just the rails, though, or would you have okay, to beef everything up? Design wise, yeah, you're probably right, and that's not something that I naturally think about, though. Um, unless I'm sitting with you two, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, they're right. That probably would need to be beefed up, um, and. The only thing that I could also think about is if you if you wanted to go digging for, through uh, Mike Corsack's article, he's got a lot of really great ways of strengthening yeah. casework furniture. Um, and keeping sort of the light look to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, could you, could you embed like a steel rib or something? Or that, that's just going too far. Yeah, it's too far. Just make it. If it breaks, make another one. <laughs> you know, I mean, at a certain point, just make the thing and don't over-engineer it. So it's this big, nasty thing you don't have fun making to begin with. Mm. But you're and you're also right. You're not getting three people or four, four people on a six foot bench. Yeah, I'll say yeah. three. All right. Oh, two adults or like four kids. And if four kids, who cares? They're they're gonna break it anyways. They're well, going to find a way. I think they're light enough not to stress it out too much. Well, it's not just them sitting on it; it's them jumping off of it and. Yeah. yeah. Turning it into a diving board. Wow, what are your kids like? I just described them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Question number two uh, is from Mark. I saw a video where Matt Wade drew a, drew a tool chest, full scale by hand. Is this a common method? I draw architecture for a living. I'm tired of drawing. I'm not interested in SketchUp. I already spend way too much time with AutoCAD. Woodworking is my release. I completely understand that you can work issues out on paper long before you even touch a board, but I'm curious about designing without drawing. Does anyone you know use a process that does not involve drawing? Everybody I know uses a process to, that may just start with a rough sketch, but yeah. could stop there. And there's everything in between, too. I know some people who do full-size drawings of certain parts of what they're what they're doing 
and I've done that. Um, I know some people who do it on whiteboards. Some people have whatever project they're doing full size on whiteboard, and they just erase it after the they're finished and go to the next one. Um, but most of the people I know start with a rough sketch and kind of build and design as they go and do a lot of mock-ups. And it's a really rough sketch. It's not detailed with exact dimensions on it. Yeah. What's what's the percentage of people you know that use full-size drawings at all? I'm going to guess 15%. I've always, I've, from my experience, it's almost like it's a North Bennett Street thing. Full-size drawings. I use full-size drawings. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people design like generate a design by drawing full size drawings. It's like for me, by the time I get to a full size drawing, I already know what I'm making. I'm just quantifying it. I'm just like recording the details and dimensions on there, and maybe draw out some joinery if I need it. But um, I think, Anissa, you're right. I think most people start with sketches, and I think. Then just you can just go to like a full size mock up because I think that the problem with the drawing and designing only with drawings is that it's a really bad representation of a three dimensional object, and that you're not really going to see what you're making um, until you take that drawing or and convert it into three dimensions somehow and make it like a, a real thing. And then I think it's much much easier to really judge the scale, of the piece, and the parts. Um, like a table leg, if you just draw it from a front view, it might look too skinny or may look just right. But by the time you um, make a post to those dimensions and look at it in three dimensions, chances are it's going to look a lot fatter. And that's just like one example of <clears throat> anybody who's done a drawing of a table and then made it and then the legs are really fat. Then you kind of know that, okay, I need to draw it skinnier than what I want in order to make it look like what I want. Uh, but a more efficient way is just make a leg post the way you want it. And whatever dimension that is, then draw it that way. So you're mocking up before you're doing generating your full-size drawing. Oh, yeah. Full-size drawing is like the very, very last thing. So you pretty much make it like in a mock-up. Okay. Then do the full-size drawing, and then you do your, your finished piece. Yeah. I'm kind of lying a little bit. <laughs> Because I do my full-size drawings in Illustrator. Um, so I'll do my sketches. I'll kind of get my proportions. Then in Illustrator, I can draw out like the, you know, basically a full-size box or whatever and sort of get the design to fit that. And I can do tons and tons and tons of variations that way, but I don't really consider it a full-size drawing because I'm looking at them and like, you know, three inches high on my computer screen. You just, you know, copy and paste and change and copy and paste and change and you have tons of variations from there, I will do the full-size mock-up because even if I get something that looks really cool on the computer screen, it looks much different. Um, and, and then, But then once I do the full-size mock-up, then I start to take my real dimensions off of that. So, And then you tweak as you build. Yes. Um, I might be remembering that Tim Coleman actually, does he do a full-size drawing after he builds the piece in order to record important dimensions if he ever has to build it again. Does anyone remember that? Hmm. No, he just did that awesome design article for us. Yeah. Where he talked about design. And then um, 
he may go to a full size drawing. I'm not sure. Like before he starts to build. No, after he actually builds the piece, huh. like he'll actually do a full size drawing so that he can replicate it if he needs to. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, um, so yeah. Um, and I love that question. So if you're like, you know, tired of drawing stuff, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be that way. What's your, what's your favorite mock-up medium, Anissa? Whatever's, whatever's handy. Um, whatever I don't have to go out and buy. So even if it's, uh, foam board, mm-hmm. the blue foam board, I'll use that. Um, two by fours, cardboard. And that also depends on what it is. Like if I'm just like that, that infamous wall cabinet, um, when I was, dun, dun, dun. I know, <laughs> or the wall unit, I was just putting cardboard on the wall where it goes and drawing the drawers and everything out on it. And just looking at, I guess I could have drawn on my walls too. Um, and just looking at how it looked and stepping mm-hmm. back. So that so was not just... So not even 3D, like not a even 2D, 2D representation of not, it on the wall. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's where it's going to live, so... Do you um, do you ever build maquettes? No. So it's full-size or go home? Full-size mock-up? Yeah. 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 Also, I'm not against it. I just yeah. haven't done it. And I kind of treat the first piece I build of a design in a way that's a mock-up even like real wood and it sits in my house and it's done it's not going to be perfect and you know so I don't sweat that you get it good okay well this is the first time I made it the next time I make this or something like it it'll be informed by this so that's okay um, my wife sews and I guess when you're sewing clothes you make what's called a muslin which mm-hmm. is you know so you use muslin to kind of make it to see how it fits and, you know, so we kind of, but my wife does it out of like real fabric. And so this notion of a wearable muslin is really cool. Like, it's just, you're kind of figuring it out, but I'm still going to wear the darn thing. And it's kind of, that's how I think about furniture. So the first thing you make, it's a wearable muslin, meaning, yeah, you're figuring it out and it might not be perfect, but it's still going to be a useful piece of furniture. See, your wife and yourself are similar in that vein and... <clears throat> I generally just jump straight to the hardwood. And my wife, when she's making clothes, many times will like just start making it out of her hand-woven fabric. And I'll be like, you should do a muslin. You should do a muslin. <laughs> She'll be like, no, I know what I'm doing. And uh, it's that's just the way we roll. <laughs> yeah. But when, when, when I had, like, I honestly consider one design of mine to have been a successful design. And that was one that I took in a class with, or I did in a class with you. It mm-hmm. was a design class. And, um, we did, um, we did maquettes out of foam board. Uh, after we did drawings, we did maquettes and then we did full size quarter mockups. That was cool, right? Yeah, that was the best. That's right. And I, yeah, it was freaky how well yes. that really conveyed. Yeah, so so basically, like for a table, you do one leg, you do you know a half stretcher going one way, half stretcher going the other way in a quarter of a tabletop that sits on top, and then you get two mirrors and you tape them together and and fold them out in a forty-five degree angle. And And you had two big mirrors. Yeah, and you shove this little quarter table into the corner of the mirrors, and just like you're looking at veneer patterns that way, you see the entire table. It's like wild. And we were talking about it and we were thinking about, well, 
well, you're going to have to reshape all four legs here. And it's like, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> There's Just, only one. Yeah. It was really convincing. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a cool trick, and I don't mean to be cavalier or just make it and it's going to be bad. Um, I understand that if you're not making a lot of pieces, you're really hanging a lot of expectation on the pieces you do make. And when I was building infrequently, and I made a mistake on a piece of furniture, I literally looked at that and lived with that for years, just waiting to be able to make another piece in order to fix that. So. Um, I think just, but you know, get it as close as you can, and then just make sure it's built well and does what it's supposed to do. And have Have you ever like given a piece away that you've made just so that you can make it again better? Because like one day, not I, I haven't told anyone this before. Uh, small audience here, but <laughs> one day, maybe ten years from now, I kind of want to give my dining room table to someone else mm. and try it again. Because there's a couple of things that I did. That I improved upon the design, and I'm making air quotes right now, that I did not improve upon the design. I should have just done it exactly how the article <laughs> said. And they bother me. There's there, yeah. there's a couple things that, that bothers me about it. But have you ever just remade something just for the sake of your own pride? No, but I would take your dining room table now and you could remake it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I think it's a great piece. No, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. It's, there's just a couple things that bother me. Right? So deliver it and then make a new one and you can be at peace with your dining room table when okay. you remake it. All right. I'll get on that. What about you? Um, just making it, just remaking it for pride's sake. Well, I don't, uh, I have stuff that I, I wish I would have like do. I'm trying to think if I've ever, re I've rebuilt tons and tons of stuff, but a lot of it has to do with making the piece multiple times and making changes or do a wall cabinet and teach it four or five times. And through that, I will improve it or change it. So um, so on one hand, I'm building enough to where I don't have to live with my miscues. On the other hand, there's no room in my house for more furniture. So um, I don't give a lot away. I don't know. I like building stuff for people. It's almost like if I have like some boxes around and someone wants a box rather than give them a box that I have. I I just want to make them a box. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's that connection between, you know, the making with a person in mind as opposed to giving something, something that someone that you've already made. It's like, uh, yeah, here, have this. It's like when we got married, um, one of Rachel's friends was an artist and he like gave us a painting he had done and so it's like well okay so you gave me a painting you painted two years ago and it wasn't very good <laughs> hopefully he's not a so, woman <laughs> listening to this podcast yes, I don't know if, if, if you're listening and you think it's you it's not you it's a different painting I don't know it's like that that connection between making and making for someone is such a strong thing um, yeah I would love to get rid of all my stuff but like all my wall cabinets it's like i can't give that away because that has the quarterson sycamore door panel <laughs> and that one has a kumiko and i don't like it but it's the first time i did kumiko uh -huh. and that one has a nice kumiko but that's the one with the nice kumiko you know so there's <laughs> there's an excuse for everything see yeah. spoons i i generally make with a person in mind and i totally get that but i'm 
invested like three hours at that point. Yeah. That's maybe you just maybe you feel you have a deeper bond with the people around you than I do because I'm generally willing to dedicate three hours of my life to someone, <laughs> and that's about it. Um, there is like things that I have sketched, like um, I sketched a side table nightstand or whatever, and as I was sketching it, I was thinking of as many places to store books as humanly possible because my sister-in-law just is an avid, avid, avid reader and has books everywhere. Yeah. And so if I ever made that, I would make that for her. Um, but the design came, was inspired by her and her exactly book issue, yeah. Yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would make something, but again, I haven't made anywhere near the number of pieces you've made. So I think, I think it changes. Just let it go. Learn your lesson. Accept it for what it is. Enjoy it. And then just make the next piece when you can. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we'll move on to uh, the shop resolutions, the woodworking resolutions of 2019. Who wants to go first? Anissa. Oh, I was going to say Ben. All right. I'll go first. <laughs> Mine is to stop working on my shop and work in my shop. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, because it's – so 2018, I stupidly, like, followed Matt's lead and decided to take on a challenge that was – it just didn't work out. The spoon carving, the one-a-week one spoon carving yeah. challenge was – it just didn't work for me at that time. And um, But last year's resolution for you was to stop working on your shop and start making things. Was oh, it? was it? Yes. We would have to go back. But, you know, because you need that shop. But now you yeah. got it. Okay, well, We're and good. Start with, making stuff. With, with one caveat. So I really feel like maybe my 2019 shop year will start in May. Okay. So it's cold. I don't have heat in my shop. I'm going to, over the course of the winter, work on machines. You know, I'm still getting the joiner running. I've got some work to do on the table saw, things like that. I want to get those machines up and running. I want to get some, you know... I need a cart to put the planer on that'll fit under the wing of the joiner. I need a place to put my drill press that can store some drill bits and things like that. I would like to have that stuff done by May so that when the weather is nice, I can just go out there and work. So I'm going to start getting exercise in May, but I'm not going to start until May. I'm with you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but I... <laughs> <laughs> but as it is, I cannot build with my equipment in the in the shape that it's in. Okay. What about spring? What about March? Fine Woodworking Live. Oh, that's right. what that's what yeah. I was gonna say. Like March or April, and then I realized that there's like this huge wrench that throws that gets thrown at us in the middle of April. What if you have a shop party weekend? And we all come and help you do what you need in one weekend. Like a barn raising. This is like one of those ideas that Anisa has and the rest of us just goes, yeah, okay. that'll never come together. Really? <laughs> it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. You can make tacos. And yeah. we can all help you with your shop. Okay. I think just your resolution is getting your shop up and running by May. That's your resolution. Yeah. Because then you don't feel like you're putting off your resolution until then. No, that is your resolution. Get that shop going. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's Mike saying he doesn't want to come over and help you get your shop ready. Well, he wouldn't come anyway. <laughs> I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> It'd just be Barry. <laughs> JT. J- John Tetra would have driven John would hours. Come, yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> the new plan is you, John, and Barry can get your shop ready by February. This is sounding a lot more feasible. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, idea lady. So I don't normally do resolutions, but... You agreed to it awfully did, fast yesterday. I did. Um, shop time is so hard to come by for me. Yeah. So... I'm thinking that I do want to get in my shop making way more than I did this year, but I'm going to draw a lot. I'm going to commit to drawing, sketching designs, and coming up with ideas a lot, like daily. Daily. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah. Just five, ten minutes. No pressure, no... Have you done that in the past? I mean, do you... Not consistently. Okay. So that's part of the resolution. Actually stick to it and just... Keep that book with me all the time and just jot something down here and there. Very cool. I always thought that um, I wasn't any good at drawing. That's why I didn't do it. So there, there, there was a time that I would sit down while waiting for my son to fall asleep or whatever, sit on the stairs and and draw. And it really was one of those things. The more I did it, the better I got at it. And I wish I did it on a consistent basis because I enjoy it. But even though... Even when I'm drawing, I never, I still don't think of myself as designing it. Mm. I'm just practicing drawing, but that's okay where I am right now. Can it be both designing and practicing drawing? I just, I just don't feel like I have that creative thing. And like, I know that you're going to argue, no, everyone has it as long as they want it. I just, like, even when I worked in, in the music business, I was the guy who helped people get the job done. I never envisioned it. I never, and it was like, okay, you wrote, you, you write a song, you sing the song. Right. I'm going to make it as good as it can possibly be. That was my job. That's and that's what that's. I feel like that's the way I'm built. I'm good at at getting people from point A to point B, even if it's myself. But I'm not good at figuring out what point B is. Which is ironic because you're an incredibly creative person. That's what I would. That when, was my when, sigh. When like, given boundaries, yeah, like like you give me a task and I will get there. Yeah, and I'll do it in style many times. Yes, but I don't envision the task. It's like you're comfortable with constraints, and like a blank piece of paper is like, well, what is this thing? Yeah, but huh. furniture is all about constraints. I mean, purpose, function, scale. Those are I. I like you. I welcome constraints. So I think it's more start with what you need and let that be that person telling you what to do. And you just like, okay, I need to figure this out. Okay. Because when I was trying to draw more, I would sit there and be like, what are you going to draw tonight? Mm. I'll just draw a bunch of sideboards. (laughs) And then the thing that I always wound up drawing was speaker cabinets. And I would just come up with like different knob layouts on a speaker. <laughs> yeah, wow. I have issues. Okay. You, well, but, you can easily convert that to furniture. Yeah, okay. Holes and yeah. Oh, windows, 
holes. But like, are you Case going pieces. to just sit there with a blank page and draw the first thing that comes to your mind? Or I always thought that it would work better for me if it was like on Monday we draw end tables. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> on Fridays we wear pink. But you know, like, oh, this is the wrong crowd for a Mean Girls reference. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, like on on Wednesdays draw boxes or on Thursday, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like I need that guidance. So do that. What are you going to do? On Mondays, I'm going to do sideboards. <laughs> on Tuesdays, I'm going to do benches. <laughs> on Wednesday, I'm going to do um, beds. On Thursday, chairs. On Friday, I'm running out of built-ins. Chairs are on so hard to draw. Saturday, <clears throat> I don't know. I could see that. I could see having a schedule. That might yeah. be fun. Yeah. What kind of sketchbooks do you like? I think I'm going to change the type of sketchbook that mm. I've normally had. I don't know right now. Usually I've I've had big ones that are too cumbersome to carry around. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to commit to the type of sketchbook right now. I think I'm going to go in somewhere where I can actually feel them and not order it online and look at them yeah. and kind of decide. Paper quality is really important. What kind of pens are you going to use? Pens? I was just going to ask. No, I don't know. I'm partial to the pencil. Blackwing. Hmm. Blackwing 602. You want one? Sure. I'll hook you up. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You like the Micron, right? I like the Pigment Micron. Yeah. Um, So it's a really fine line black pen. I don't like sketching in pencil. Although like when we do thumbnail layouts for articles and stuff, all that is with the freshly sharpened Ticonderoga number two with a full eraser that no one else has touched. I was going to add that. So no like once you erase something, do you just throw it out? Like yeah. this one's tainted. No, but <laughs> if you touch it, it's totally tainted. Did you notice Mike and I just came from a thumbnail meeting? Wait, can we explain what a thumbnail meeting is to it's, myself included? It's where at least uh, Anissa lays down about 300 photos on the table <laughs> And I have to decide which 25 of those fit into an eight-page article. But I have already eliminated, even if there are, there really aren't 300 photos on the table. But if there were, I have already eliminated 1,200 that I didn't show you. And and that's a a huge undertaking, yes. Um, So, yeah, so Anise takes the photos, works with the author, has all these photos. I'm picturing the photos. It's like Anise looking in the lens trying to but when you're like when you're that close to an article and it's sort of like, well, I don't know, there's nothing else I could take out of here. Like everything is like part yeah. of it. So then I come in with a fresh eye and it's like, no, 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 no. Okay. And then um, a little page with little mini uh, size rectangles that indicate uh, magazine spreads, two pages. And we just kind of do chicken scratches on those to kind of figure out where everything goes. Okay, so you you two are in this this uh, in this meeting. thumbnail meeting, and we got to a certain point, and well, we stopped for lunch, and then after lunch, we decided that we were going to pick up when we got a little more information. So I went and I picked up all three hundred photos and all my paraphernalia that went along with this meeting, but I left the blank thumbnail thing and Mike's pencil on the table. I can't because I can't touch his pencil. So this is like a office wide known thing. Don't touch Mike's uh, pencil. I I don't. I know it. Yeah, it it is. 
it's a mistake you make once. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> if you touch the pencil, Ask it's stubby. Just, <laughs> just take the pencil. If you're going to touch it, just take it. Yeah, because he's not touching yeah. it again. <laughs> Okay. And you're getting the stink eye. <laughs> this is good to know. <laughs> yeah. This is stuff you're supposed to like have in the employee handbook. Yes. All right, which, you, uh, do you know Barry has that employee handbook memorized? Like oh, he's of course he does. really, really. If you ask him anything, he says, "Well, in the employee handbook, it says." <laughs> I just know that like, there is an employee handbook. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's normal behavior. Okay. In the employee handbook, we have thirty minutes for lunch. What? <laughs> no, we don't. Yes, what? we do. Oh, that's the official lunch. That doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so about that. All right. Oh, what's your resolution, yeah. Mike? Um, eat lunch in an hour and fifteen minutes. Drink beer in the podcast. <laughs> um, as it pertains to woodworking, I want to learn one new skill, and I thought. Oh, okay. One, maybe that's not enough. I'm going to say I'm going to learn two new skills. It's like, well, what if that skill is something that's really hard and it takes you more than a year to actually learn? So I think one is good. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I was, you know, because I, I think what I was doing is I was confusing skill with technique. Like, try out two new techniques you haven't mm. tried. That's different than learning, like, mastering those techniques. So I don't know. What's the skill? I yeah. Can't, I can't tell you and Nisa knows but I'm not going <gasps> to say right right okay that's a good one yeah can we just leave can, it there how about yeah. I just keep guessing it's not spoons <laughs> duh um no it's okay pencil guessing. sharpening yes <laughs> <laughs> that's why he only uses them once he has no <laughs> idea what to do with them after this <laughs> <laughs> alright well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about fun ways of coloring wood. All of you, our listeners, have different skill levels, woodworking interests, design aesthetics, makers you admire, workshops, tools, and projects unique to you. The aspects that join this community together are a shared love of the craft, the smell of the workshop, the challenge of perfection, and the chance to create something beautiful. That's why we introduced Fine Woodworking Unlimited, our new membership that gives you access to over 43 years of our content designed to help teach, inspire, and connect with you. Unlimited members have access to everything Fine Woodworking, including our complete online archive, over 55 video workshops, and our iconic magazine delivered right to your door. No matter where you are on your journey today, Unlimited has something to inspire your next step. To learn more, go to finewoodworking.com unlimited. All right. Everybody good? Yep. That was our break? Yeah. I mean, there will be more stuff in there. Right. Okay. All right. Question number three from Andy. Ideally, the break should be as long as the commercial break actually is, so we kind of feel like yeah, I don't know what the commercial break is, though. Let's, can we sit here for like two minutes? The last one was two and a half minutes because it was with my wife. You, had, did. you did a commercial break with Katie? Yeah. Really? It was about gift giving for woodworkers. Oh. Oh, cool. Yeah. Have you played that yet? Is that aired? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well, it's airing tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. Oh, okay. So now everyone knows when we recorded this one. So, okay. all right. So, uh, from Andy. Well, speaking uh, of that, what <laughs> woodworking gift? Because it's really hard for anyone 
like for me, no one can actually buy me anything related to woodworking. No. I have to get it myself. Yeah. What woodworking gift can someone get you that you would say, oh, thanks. That's really cool. Find Woodworking Unlimited membership. Oh, I kind of got that. <laughs> um, what? Okay. What? That is a good gift, though. I, thank you. I'll do the commercial with you next time. Um, so what woodworking gift can someone get you? So I will say this. My mother-in-law gives out – everybody gets like a budget to buy shoes every year. You get a $200 budget for shoes. Really? Yes. That's a- Good pair of shoes. Yeah. No, she wants you know everybody gets good shoes. Don't huh. don't mess around, buy good shoes, right? Do you, do you have to buy one pair of two hundred dollar shoes? Oh, I don't know. Or can you buy I don't know, but four I, pairs of fifty dollar shoes? I'm just gonna say I tweaked the rules a little bit this year and I said, Well, can I get a two hundred dollar Lee Valley budget instead? And she was like, Yeah, I just want you to have something you can you use. So I would argue Lee Valley gift card. Gift card. Yeah, that's a cop out. <laughs> All right. That's like saying, just give me money. What can I get you? Money. Yeah, but it's specific money. Yeah. What about you, Nisa? What about you, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought about sandpaper. No, I got to buy my sandpaper. Yeah. What about um, box of latex gloves? No, I kind of need to buy my own box of latex blue gloves. Blue tape. No, there's different kinds of blue tape. A box of Ticonderoga number two pencils. No. From Staples. There's Blackwing 602s. Yeah. A dust collector. (laughs) 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 The question isn't what do you currently need in your shop right now, Anissa? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> what is a good gift for a woodworker? That what for me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel comfortable having someone else buy for you? So, yeah. like, if you said that, a dust collector. Well, yeah, but just, they're going to buy you a shop back. Right. That's oh, a good shop back. No, shop backs are great, but that's not what she wants. Yeah. Hmm. You know those sanding blocks that are color coded? Ooh. I only have one. Oh, what, what color? color? Yellow. Okay. Get it's red. like the, everyone has the yellow one. Yeah. My dad so has the yellow. So I need blue, one. green, and red. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. And a dust collector. <laughs> <laughs> and a Lee Valley gift card. And a Lee, Lee Valley gift card. Mike, did you answer? Pencils. Oh, okay. Pencils are good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last year we did. I asked everyone like uh, gifts under twenty dollars. I think because my I firmly believe do not buy woodworker tools unless you know they want the number four with this blade. This you know unless they you specifically know exactly what to get them right exactly what they have chosen. But do not just buy a hand plane for a woodworker. Stanley twelve eight uh, Stanley twelve foot tape measure. That's good. Yeah, you can always use more of them, or DeWalt 9-foot tape measure. All right. I think we need to answer this question. I haven't even said this question. You haven't. What are you waiting for? Mike, stop interrupting me. (laughs) (laughs) From Andy. (laughs) And he sent in a picture with this one. Any idea how to go about achieving the finish in the attached image? I've never seen a finish like this one that's 
vibrant, yet maintains the appearance of the grain? Is it just watered-down paint? And we'll we'll post the picture, but it is... I mean, it's vibrant. Beautiful. They're more pastel-y. Yeah, they are pastel-y. I would say milk paint. You think that's milk paint? I do think that's milk paint. You can put milk paint on in a really translucent fashion. Didn't Nancy cover that? Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, Another type of paint is called chalk paint. Oh, right. That does kind of look like chalk paint, doesn't it? Yeah, which would work as well. Whatever it is, it looks amazing with the ash. Generally, yeah. That open grain. Yeah. 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 Because it is, you can kind of see the wood grain through the paint. I feel like one of the things that people love about milk paint is it's you have a limited number of colors, and they're generally very well-chosen colors. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a milk paint in these pastel-like colors before. I, I checked. Okay. I checked. Um, so you can do real milk paint or mm-hmm. you can do old-fashioned milk, old yeah. milk paint. And one of them has a chart on how to mix to get these, so it says okay. like this plus seventy five percent white will give you this color. Oh. Real milk paint has more out there colors. Yeah, yeah. a little more contemporary yeah. looking colors. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, try it on a sample board. I'm guessing yeah. um, milk paint, uh, chalk paint. You could, I don't know. I guess you could just try getting a latex and just really watering it down. Um. I went a different direction and I reverse Google image searched the picture sent and it came up with a Japanese website, which I think is blocked in our building. All of them are. Yeah. <laughs> because all the good ones. Anyway. <laughs> what, what was the Japanese tool website that we had to like uh, ask them to take off the firewall? <laughs> Ida tool. Yeah. They were like Panasonic too. Really? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. What is going on? What are people looking at? We're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> These but, are beautiful, though. Oh, they're absolutely gorgeous. And um, it was definitely from a Japanese website. And then when I did Google Translate would translate the words mm-hmm. for me because you can't translate images. <laughs> Dummy. But, <laughs> Can you translate this image to arts and crafts, please? <laughs> <laughs> if you could do that, you'd be rich. <laughs> um but it would translate the words, wouldn't show the images. So it just on the page there were words like Arushi. I, I feel like oh. I'm saying that wrong. Um, and lacquer. There was a lot of okay. Arushi and lacquer words. So I feel like this might be some Arushi. I don't think it's the old school that's using hmm. the uh, poison ivy. Yeah. But um, I I sent this to. Um, Jared and Jasmine Dahl, who uh, travel in Japan frequently mm-hmm. and uh, do a lot of really great finishing on their foodwares, uh, just to see what they thought it was. I haven't heard back yet, um, but if I do, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, but really, really beautiful pieces. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, scrolling back to the script, sorry. All right, question number four. Uh, from Bob, I have some Japanese chisels that I'm starting to use about three sixteenths of an inch behind the edge of the blade on the back. There's a cove. When you grind back to that cove, the back will no longer be flat. Do you have to toss the chisel out at that point? Just send them to us. <laughs> <laughs> I collect Mike them. Mike Peckwich. 
They collect, they collect used up Japanese chisels. Do you? No. All mine looks so borderline close, though. Really? Yes. Because I only flatten them just enough to where I can get like another sharpening out of it. Okay, so when you when you flatten or when when you sharpen, you are taking metal off of the bevel of of the tool. Yeah, and then you flatten the back, and you are taking metal off the thickness Not of the tool. Lot. Not, Not as lot. much. Not enough. But if you do so, so that that cove has a a, um, a slanted front. Circular, yeah. Circular front. So when you when you do take metal off of the back of that chisel, chisel, that cove will, if you take enough off, will travel further away right. from the bevel. In fact, on skinny chisels like quarter inch chisels, where it's fairly narrow and shallow, if you're not careful, it's pretty easy in flattening the chisel to begin with to almost like get rid of it altogether. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, the idea of having that cover, that recess there is just to allow you to remove as little steel as possible while you're getting sharp. It's kind of a smart technique. I'm not going to tell you how I do it. I'm going to let Anissa tell you how Andrew Hunter how does it. Andrew does it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she's on for this question. Why don't we get Andrew to tell us how he, Andrew does he, it? Actually, Andrew will be on soon. Oh, nice. Yeah. So are we going to wait for him to tell us how no, he does it? You, you edited the, yeah. the uh, plane article with Andrew. I did. Yeah. And he talked about she paid attention. moving the hollow back on um, plane irons with a hammer. You don't do that on chisels. Because in the video we made with him, yeah. he says you don't tap out chisels. What do you do? I don't know. I didn't do chisels. I did the plane iron. I know. but Okay. So the plane iron, you tap it. You actually, because it's a layer, thin layer of hard steel com, uh, constitutes a cutting edge and it's backed by a thick layer of soft steel. Yeah. So you tap that with a hammer on the top side of the bevel against a little block of wood and that actually deforms the chisel down. So now it's convex on the bottom a little bit and then when you flatten that, it recesses that hollow back a little bit. Yeah. So, But um, he does not do that with chisels. Oh, I doubt if he does what I do. I use a, what do you do? I use a nail set. No, <laughs> on do. a chisel? Yeah, just above, you know. Oh, we're going to tell Andrew. I, Andrew was uh, teaching at Connecticut Valley when I was there this weekend. And I wanted to have him sharpen my chisel, but I didn't want him to see my <laughs> chisels. <laughs> so you tap it out. You tap out your chisels. I do, yeah. And it works. It works, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, other so, than doing that, I guess we're just going to have to ask Andrew sometime. I think yeah. so. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. You use a Japanese chisel for Kumiko. Yes. Does that cove ever become oh, a problem yeah. in referencing off your Kumiko block? No. If you are buying Japanese chisels, do you buy... Japanese chisels with multiple coves on the wider chisels or a single cove? Just single. Okay. Multiple That's coves. always bothered me. I've always yeah. wondered about that. I don't know why I didn't ask you sooner. Well, if you're skewing the chisel, you've got the flat, you know, the flat underneath the blade itself, and you have a flat along one side of the chisel. Okay. And those two sort of perpendicular reference surfaces constitutes a plane. So, 
Like I've never done anything where that hollow, the workpiece sort of fell into that to where okay. I couldn't get a, a flat. Okay. So. Even even tr- in normal flat work, chisel work? It's never, I've never run into that. Okay. Like, oh, wow, that's bad. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't. All right. So I've always wondered that. Okay. I would also like a big giant Oliver bandsaw. <laughs> <laughs> like a 30 inch Oliver? Yeah. Okay. And someone to help you get it in. Yeah. 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 Do, you have, do you have room for a 30 inch bandsaw? No. So I also need an extension on my shop. Okay. All right. All right. So, Dream, you. Do you have a big enough lot to add on to your shop? No. Okay. So, so, so I need. New property. Yes. Okay. All right. So dream tool purchase, you have space for anything. Can you afford that new property based on the salary you make at Fine Woodworking? No. She can't so, afford her current property. <laughs> <laughs> so you need a new job. Or somebody to just give me all that for Christmas this year. Oh, yeah. We are talking about gifts. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So dream tool purchase right now. Based on, on nothing real. 30-inch Oliver? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, the, or a giant jointer. That would be great, too. Uh, bandsaw. I'm going to go to okay. bandsaw. Ben? No, 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 no. No one wants to hear what I say. Um, <clears throat> I do. I do, too. But my answer <laughs> is uh, filling out my Japanese chisel set. Because I went from Western chisels to an inexpensive set of Japanese chisels, and I've been filling that out like a chisel at a time. I have three chisels, and I would like maybe another three or four. You think the way you treat them, you deserve more? I do. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) If someone were to buy you, you would have to hand in your nail set. Let's just say there are a couple people who would not buy me any more Japanese chisels based on the way I treat my chisels. Yeah. So. Uh, saw stop. Or, uh, you know what? No, dust collector. See, that's what I'm saying know, about the dust collector. I know, I know. And it's like last night, I I, I just, I cross-cut one piece of wood on the on my table saw, and I realized immediately, I, I'd forgotten what it was like to work with that dust collector running. For you know, because I've been working in the fine order king shop, and it, you would just always have the dust collector running, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, this, it was, what does that smell? What? It, oh, it's sawdust that I'm breathing in. Here's the thing, though, I would have somebody give you the saw stop because that's a little bit pricier than a good yeah. dust collector. True. Okay. Cool. Saw stop. All right, let's read some uh, listener comments. Um, there were some good ones. On episode 178 on YouTube, uh, after watching this, I can't wait for Bob's new book to come out, The Answers to How and Why and the uh, how and why of Woodworking. <laughs> Great show. Uh, that was a good episode. And another one on 178. This one is from Noah C., and uh, it's... Responding to uh, Amy Costello's question about her uh, stropping issues, and I edited this down just for length, but dear Amy, I am a chemist, and I can say your answer was almost nailed, but not quite, and it only took 20 minutes. (laughs) 
Two things. I think your leather was vegetable tanned, which leaves a waxy coating, and your chromium oxide, which is the, the green stropping paste or whatever, was a little too waxy. The two will not mix because it's like rubbing wax on wax. If you want to use your current strop, you need to run it across something abrasive, say a 1,000 to 3,000 grit whetstone, and get that waxy coating off. Then you need to toss out your current chromium oxide stick or get the temperature up on it. And this is what I thought was really interesting. Most are designed for a buffing wheel running at 3,000 to 10,000 RPM where the carrier melts into the cloth buffing wheel. And that, I think, is the answer there. Yeah, but that answer wasn't even funny. (laughs) (laughs) And it was concise. All right. uh, On iTunes, we had a couple good five-star ratings uh, from Art Waifu. Uh, I am a 20-something woman, brand new to woodworking, after a lifetime of wanting to get into the craft, but having no one around to teach me. I started listening to Shop Talk Live to at least get some context through osmosis. I was pleased to quickly make I was pleased to quickly make the podcast a part of my daily commute. The podcast is relevant for anyone interested in exploring the nature of work, listening to humans talk deeply about their craft, and gaining inspiration to get better at anything in life. The podcast is friendly to newcomers and gave me confidence to jump in, and after a month, I'm about to finish Mike's cursed dovetail box. (laughs) After a month. That's good for you. Holy crap. Yeah, to jump in with that, hats off. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Perhaps I should have started with something similar. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for all that you do, and looking forward to years of learning in the shop with you. That's, I mean, yeah, that's a tough project. But it looks so simple. <laughs> uh, all right. And then from Abbott, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, informative, funny, and when are you going weekly? Great podcast. Lots of useful information and not dry and boring like some out there. I miss random stat segments and weekly would be fab- fabulous. Keep up the good work and stay cool in the shop. Cheers. All right. Anybody have any recommendations? Instagram page, uh, The Book of Robots. Speaking of weekly stats, <laughs> which I was, I was actually going to say there's a 37% chance that Matt Kenny is drawing a robot right now. Yes. <laughs> so Matt Kenny, um, who's a fantastic woodworker and box maker, and I uh, admire his work greatly. However, he has a uh, Instagram feed where he does little drawings of robots, and I think they are better than anything he's ever made out of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew he could draw and, that well? And, and you have nothing but respect for his woodworking. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so I yes. mean, I'm telling you, his robots are they're that good, otherworldly, and he will be rich because of them. One yes. Day. yes, yes, that's his money maker right there. Yeah, super cool robots. Yeah, I had no idea. Did you guys know, know he could draw that well? No, just boxes. Oh, like yeah. he, when he just first showed boxes. me, he first showed me a robot, and he goes, "What do you think, Mike?" And it's like. Okay. Keep making boxes. <laughs> but he's kind of hit this critical mass. He's really found his stride. And They're incredible. Yes, very good. I want to recommend everyone use the screen time function on your iPhone and limit yourself to half an hour of Instagram a day. Ooh, half an hour. Yeah. I could do that. You say that. No, I can. All right. Yeah. Well, good for you. It takes me half an hour to compose a post. <laughs> That's, I wish that you could set it and like I'm 
in the minority here where it's like, no, at work, I'm using it for work. And I wish you could set it to be like, no, from the hours of nine to five, this yes. doesn't count against my allotment because I'll be sitting there like, like trying to post a story to the fine work page you can. and be like, come on, you eat none of my time. <laughs> because after half an hour, it goes, Bang. and you can tell it. No, give me more. I'm an adult. Damn it. But you know, it's, it's, it really tries to bug you. So do you have any recommendations? I have a recommendation. Dust collectors. No, dust collector would be nice, but the bandsaw. Um, I was I took my two kids and somebody else's two kids to a museum a couple weeks ago, and three girls and one boy. And I we, recommend not doing it. <laughs> no, that part was great. This part is great too. We stopped at a diner on the way home. It was about an hour away, and I sat at the counter with two kids on one side and two kids on the other. And I went up to pay, and the woman at the counter said, oh, somebody already took care of your bill. And we weren't in our hometown, so I just looked around, and I said, who? She said, a couple of middle-aged ladies saw you guys sitting at the counter and thought it was really cute, you know, girls' night out. But remember, I said one boy and three girls. My son has long, blonde, beautiful hair, and he doesn't care if anybody calls him a girl. doesn't face him at all. That's awesome. But it was so nice. She, these women paid for our dinner, and I walked up there. So I'm recommending buying to do a niece that. dinner. Well, not just buying me dinner, but it was really nice. <laughs> yeah. It was a surprise. It was really sweet. It made the woman at the counter feel really good. Yeah. It made me feel a little creeped out at first, but then good. <laughs> it was really nice. Nice. That's my recommendation. That is nice. All right. Well, that's all for this episode of Shop Talk Live. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show, send them into shoptalk at taunton.com. If you're watching on YouTube, please click that thumbs up button. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. And happy 2019, everybody. Yay, and to 2019. I'm out, but clinky. Cheers, cheers Jeff. That was good. Yeah. Bomo Mosaic Pilsner. Was that an IPA? Yeah. Yeah, it says IPA. Nice. I can't go home right now. I'm a lightweight.